Good afternoon. You should have a handout. If you don't have a handout, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. Mr. Lunny, if you could flag the ushers, that would be helpful. Thank you, sir. Um, if, you're, if you start to lose circulation in your hand, put it down and then put it back up, okay? Because I don't see any ushers for the moment, but I hate that you don't have one. You're going to want a handout. And uh, let's go through... Let's turn in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. We'll get there first. Proverbs chapter 6 in our Bibles. Here come the handouts. Raise your hand and they'll get one to you. We're studying the book of Proverbs and what the Bible says about the sluggard or the slothful individual. Um, Most of us have never been called a sluggard before or a sloth. Um, That would not be a compliment. And I've asked you, are you a hard worker? Uh, most of us have something that we love doing and we work really hard at it. It consumes us. But then all of us have some things that we don't like doing. And, uh, and that really is where uh, it can be revealed. It's possible to be a hard worker in one area of our lives, but in another area of our lives to be a sluggard or to be sluggardly. Uh, the motto for the sluggard, as is on the screen, is, well, I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, another uh, motto would be, well, I'm tired. Now, do we, now the, I hope you've been thinking through this as we've been studying. Is it possible for us to be tired, genuinely tired? Yes. Uh, God gave us uh, periods of time to rest, so rest is a good thing. And I don't think you should feel like a sluggard if you don't get out of, every, out of your bed every morning at 4.30 a.m. and you know, read through the book of Proverbs twice before you get out the door and ex- run 20 miles on your tr- treadmill. You, you know, that isn't what he's talking about here. The, 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 it really comes to a head when you and I have a God-given responsibility and we are refusing to discipline ourselves to do what he has given us to do. That is the mark of a sluggard. And I didn't put it on the screen, but you could pencil it in. Another motto might be, but I don't want to. Aha! That's really where we find the sluggard and the sloth. He just, bottom line, it's not so much a feeling, though he doesn't feel like it. Um, it. It's not so much that he's tired, though he may be tired, but I think it just boils down to, bottom line, he just doesn't want to do it. So he's not going to do it. He doesn't want to do his homework, so he doesn't do his homework. do not want to get out of bed, though he should. So he doesn't get out of bed. And... Uh, and so we looked, we defined what a, a sloth is. We looked at some characteristics, how they make excuses, and they live their lives by convenience, do what's convenient, lack diligence, self-discipline, they're covetous. I remember talking to a fellow uh, years and years ago. He had one child, and he and his wife were living in a home together. And uh, he made it a point to tell me that he never intended to and he gave certain definitions or marks. He wasn't going to provide his wife with a larger home. Really, the house they were living in was a cinder block house. It was basically one room, kitchen. There was a bathroom off of it. And there's nothing wrong with living in a house like that. Okay, a mark of godliness is, is not living in a big, beautiful mansion. That doesn't make someone more godly. But this man was under the impression that living in next to poverty was a mark of godliness. And uh, he had no ambition. 
And I remember him telling me about, I had asked him what kind of work he was in, and he told me what he was doing. And I really felt like the individual had more talent and more ability to better himself and provide for his family. But he made it a, a very clear to me that he didn't want any of that. He wasn't going to put that kind of pressure on himself. And so consequently, he was going to provide this for his wife and his children, and that was it. And he was going so far as to say this was godly. And anybody who would strive for something more was ungodly. But one of the marks of a sloth is they actually are very covetous. It's not a mark of godliness. Well, I'm not getting out of bed because I'm a content person. No, no, no. Or I'm not, I'm not, I'm not working harder. I'm not striving because I'm such a content person. No, no. The slothful man is a very covetous man. He doesn't plan for the future, doesn't prepare for the future. He has trouble getting started. He wastes time. He has trouble finishing jobs. He quits. He lacks substance in times of need. He wastes resources and opportunities. He causes irritation and confusion. If you have employees who are slothful, you as the employer, you know this, you're very frustrated because they're not doing the job that they're paid to do. They struggle with difficult circumstances. Why? Because they're always behind. Because they're not making use of what they have, and they avoid responsibility like the plague. I don't want that. I don't want, don't give me that responsibility um, as a slothful man. These are characteristics of a slothful man. We've gone through this, and we've looked at these um, in the context of Scripture, and, and I'm not going to go back through all of that here this afternoon. Roman numeral three uh, is where we're at here this afternoon, and I'll let you fill this in, and then we'll read our Scripture and pray. But... A slothful man or a sluggardly man, and, and, and maybe you've been convicted as we've looked at different passages of Scripture, and you've thought, you know what, I'm not a, I never thought of myself as a slothful person. I'm a hard worker. I really, I, I work hard. I'm a, I'm a hard worker. But God, is, maybe he's revealed some areas of your life where you're slothful, in particular areas of God-given responsibility. So what do you do? Well, you have to make a decision. And the decision is this, take responsibility for work. Take responsibility for work. And then diligently plan and execute that responsibility. That's a very, very key statement. And I hope you have a handout because uh, this series was not meant to be preached the way I normally preach. I want to put things in your hand because I want you to go home and look at them. Okay, And I want you to go back and consider them and look at the scripture that goes with them. You're in Proverbs 6. Look in verse number 6 with me. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. I'm going to read down through verse 11. Of course, Solomon is writing to his son in Proverbs 6. In verse 6, he tells his son, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. Now that's interesting. The ants don't have a guide to show them what to do. Overseer to see that it's done or ruler to tell them to do it. The ants provideth, it says in verse 8, they provide their meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. And then a question is asked, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Let's pray together and we'll look at these truths. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray. Um, Lord, help me as I teach and preach this afternoon. 
Um, I pray that your truth, the truth of your word and these principles will come and find good ground in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be wise as we respond in obedience to your word. And Lord, help us not to be slothful. Help us not to be sluggardly in the responsibilities that you have given us to accomplish. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Roman Roman numeral three is where we're at. This decision that we have to make, we have to make a decision. Okay, what are my God-given responsibilities? And that's a great question because for for each of us, we have different responsibilities. Andy Perry's got a different set of responsibilities than I have. Um, Every single one of us have different responsibilities. Um, But at the same time, we all have a lot of the same responsibilities. For instance, husbands... We all have a same responsibility. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay, so that's a responsibility. Specific, but am I, I may be a hard worker in the workplace. Maybe I can roof a building and I can really work hard, or or maybe somebody else, Pastor Burden, can design and he can take pictures and he's excellent in those areas. Um... Pastor, Pastor Tolman in music, okay? So we all have things that we love to do. Did I say I, I don't love roofing buildings? That didn't mean to come out that way. I despise roofing buildings. But we may be able to work hard in certain parts, certain areas of our lives. But there are other areas, like husbands love your wives. How are we doing there, men? How are you doing there? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Children, obey your parents. Are you slothful in that area? Are you sluggard in that area? Or are you wise in that area? So you're going to have to consider the ant, and that's what he tells us to do here. Uh, the sluggard is con- called to consider the ant. Uh, letter A, hold yourself accountable to do right. Hold yourself accountable to do right. Now this is tough for the sluggard right off the bat. Because he doesn't hold himself accountable for much. But if you're going to stop or if I'm going to stop being sluggardly in a certain area of my life, the accountability starts with us, with the sluggard, with the individual who's been irresponsible with his God-given tasks. I'm all for accountability partners. That can be great. It can be a great help. But the accountability starts with you. Sometimes those of us who need accountability, we blame the people for not holding us, our friends sometimes, our relatives, the people who love us, we blame those for not holding us accountable. The accountability starts right here. Right here. Should I blame Pastor Scott because I don't do my sermon prep in a timely manner? I don't get on it. Should I blame him and be like, well, you didn't call me up and remind me? Should I do that? No. It has to start right here. I need to be accountable, so hold yourself accountable. Uh, Letter B... Use time wisely. Use time wisely. You know, the ant in our text prepares meat in summer and gathers in harvest. They take the appropriate action at the appropriate time. And and, and I think I have it in your handout, but don't put things off. Some of us are, we ought to have a doctorate degree and procrastination. Boy, are we good at that. And we can reason our way to that spot. We have, we have 20 reasons why now's not a good time to do it, and tomorrow will be a better day to do the job. 
Don't be a procrastinator. It's not a spiritual gift. Okay? It's not. You could have laughed at that. Maybe there's, I hope there's not too much conviction in the room. Okay? But I suppose we all can be procrastinators, but some of us, we, we should be awarded some sort of a doctorate degree in it. Letter C, do the work. Now, I've made these very simple, and they're all from this proverb that I already read, Proverbs chapter 6, where Solomon says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Look at, look at the ant. Hold yourself accountable. Take responsibility. The ant has no guide. The ant has no overseer. The ant has no ruler. They're working independently without supervision. Well, you never told me to do that. Sometimes that's legit. Sometimes that's legit. Sometimes it's not. Use your time wisely. Do the work. The ant gathers their food. They just do it. They just do it. And every one of us have these responsibilities. Number four, Roman numeral four, dealings. Some dealings. Um, what should you do if you're working with a sluggard? Maybe a sluggard works for you. Maybe you work for a sluggard. Maybe you have a child who is sluggardly, okay? Um, or a spouse. And we're going to get to specific application, but first I just want to give you a few of these dealings. Allow consequences to come upon the sluggard. Allow the consequences to come upon the slothful. Do not coddle them. If you coddle them, they're going to continue to be a slothful person. Don't coddle them. I'm going to move along. Letter A. Do not protect the sluggard from, or, or excuse me, do not protect the sluggard from consequences. Do not protect the sluggard from consequences. Their lack of work is going to result in them having nothing. Now, that doesn't mean they were not going to have a house to live in. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, they're not going to have some food to eat, necessarily. We're going to look at different extremes of a sloth or sluggard a little bit later. We're going to see this, but um, if they have a job to do and you're the employer, let them fail. Now, that's really hard, and if you're the employer or the overseer, if you're their manager, it's going to come back on you. That's the problem. So you're probably going to have to make a decision. You're probably going to have to let them go if they won't respond to you. Okay. But if you do their job for them, they will let you. They will let you do their job for them. They'll let everybody else do their job for them. Okay. So do not protect the sluggard from consequences. And by the way, mom and dad, this applies especially to our children. Some of us, as moms and dads, we don't want our children to fail, primarily for our reputation. And so we do their work for them. And really, the grade they get in school does not reflect them. It reflects mom or dad. Now, please, don't get me wrong. Moms and dads, we, have to, we need to be there to help our children through the education process. Okay, that's part of it. Please don't throw your K-5-year-old out and just say, well, teach yourself to read, you know, you sloth. No. <clears throat> no, please don't do that, okay? So use wisdom in this. But, you know, we live in a day where failure is almost like, oh, I, can't, I can't let them fail. I can't let them fail. Yeah, you can. And by the way, it'd be much better if they learned the taste of that and had a distaste for it. Don't let them develop a taste for failure. But it'd be nice if they can learn what that feels like and tastes like now. 
they don't have to learn what it feels like when they have a mortgage and children in the home, okay? So don't protect the sluggard. Um, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10 is in your handout, I think. It says, for even when we were with you, Paul reminds the church at Thessalonica, he says, this we commanded you. This was a command. Listen to what it was. If any would not work, neither should he eat. Part of the problem in Thessalonica was they were expecting the return of the Lord in such a soon or timely manner that the word was going around that maybe we shouldn't work. We should be more spiritual. Think on spiritual things. So we're not going to work. We're not going to go out and get a job and hold a job and work a job and provide for our families because we are, heaven is in sight. And Paul's response was, if you won't work, the man who won't work shouldn't eat. Whew. Wonder how that sermon went over when the pastor preached that. Letter B, <clears throat> do not give a sluggard important responsibilities. Do not give a sluggard important responsibilities. They're going to bring shame and frustration. Proverbs 10 and verse 5 says, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. So he puts it right in the context of a, of a son with their parents. And you know, there are some children in the room here this afternoon. I'm glad you're here. We have some who are in high school and some who are in elementary school and some in between in junior high. Um, Answer this question in your own mind. Do you bring your parents shame because you don't do the responsibilities God's given you to do? And think about some of those responsibilities that you have. You've got schoolwork to do. Maybe you maybe take piano lessons. You've got the responsibility of practicing the piano. Maybe you're, maybe you're responsible to make your bed. I don't know if you are or not. But if you are, do you bring your parents shame? Do you obey them? You listen to what they say and, and do what they say, when they say it. Because being a sluggard is not a good characteristic to have. And you know what? You don't have to be a sluggard. Okay? You don't have to. And that's the wonderful truth, because we can be wise. Uh, letter C. Letter C, don't try to reason with a sluggard. You know, I, I prefer just to talk things out. I don't like levying consequences upon people, I don't like it at all. And, and I hate it so much, it's a fault. I should do it more often. I like to just have, let's just talk. You know, we'll talk it out, and, and you'll understand what I'm saying, and you'll agree, we'll all agree, you know, and we'll just go on with life like it never happened. No big deal, no big deal. Uh, and that's where maybe a lot of us like to live. But don't try to reason with a sluggard. And there's a reason for that. They're wise in their own conceit. Remember that word conceit, it means eyes. They're wise in their own eyes. And they're experts at making excuses. So when you think you're reasoning with them and getting through, they actually, in their minds, think that they're reasoning with you and getting through to you. Proverbs 26 and verse 16 says, The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit, his own eyes, than seven men that can render a reason. Seven men that are logical. Seven men who have understanding a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who have wisdom and understanding. He looks at them and he's like, you got nothing on me. <laughs> I know, I got this, I know this. And so when his employer comes to him and says, hey, this is what it needs to be, this is what I'm seeing, this is where it needs to go, 
And he gives excuse after excuse after excuse. And by the way, the sluggard is a very proud individual. And he's rebellious on top of that. All right, let's continue. Uh, Number five, Roman numeral five, some dangers. What are some dangers that the sluggard is going to face? Well, emptiness and shame. Emptiness and shame. Poverty is the expected end for the sluggard. Now, we live in a day where it really is possible for a person not to work and still to have a place to live and still have food to eat and probably still have cable TV and still provide an education for their children. So we, don't, we, we've, we have a society, and I'm not speaking, I've got to be careful here a little bit. We live in a society where we've actually made provisions for people who are sluggards. Okay? Now, not everybody who's using those programs is necessarily a sluggard. Okay? So I'm going to give that qualification. That's not the point here. It's possible to be a sluggard and not, and still live financially, okay? Have a vehicle, whatever. Maybe even go on vacation. But spiritually, think with me spiritually for a moment. Well, it's possible to kind of still make our way through lives and be a sluggard and still have what we need to eat and survive physically. It'd be, it's impossible, I think, it's impossible for a person or even a child of God, to be a sluggard and a sloth in, our spirit, in the spiritual realm, in our walk with God, and not go bankrupt spiritually. Are you following me? God is a just God. And every single one of us as his children are going to stand before him someday at the judgment seat of Christ, and we are going to receive that which we have done according to that which we have done. Now think with me. It's nice to be a part of a church like Trinity where there are different things going on. There are different programs or different ministries, maybe outreaches or discipleship, and, and there's music that we enjoy, and, and we, we all enjoy these things. But it's possible to be a part of something, but not actually doing our part. And I'm not talking about, I want you to be a part of a program. That's not what I'm saying. If you, if you get that, you miss it. I'm saying you and your personal walk with God, are you saying yes to the Holy Spirit or are you sluggardly in that? Are you saying, I don't feel like it to him or I'm not going to do it to him? Because if we do, then his fruit is not going to be born in our lives and we will lose out on eternal reward. It's possible to be sluggardly in our personal walk with the Lord and that would be a tragedy, wouldn't it? That would be a tragedy. And so that's something for each of us to think about. Letter B, another danger, is that the sluggard refuses to heed instruction. That actually is is part of the judgment upon the sluggard. He refuses to heed instruction. He just won't do what is true, what he's supposed to do, his God-given responsibility. And more instruction comes to him And actually, it's part of the judgment, this refusal to heed instruction. I think probably the sluggard prides himself on this a little bit, you know? He gets out, he got out of the work. You know, he talked with his boss, and his boss laid it out and tried to reason with him, and he reasoned back with his boss, and by the end of the the conversation, you know what, frankly, the sluggard may not see this, maybe he does. His boss is so frustrated, he's so just, you know what, he's just given up. He's He's not coming to him anymore, and the sluggard walks away, and he's like, you know, wow, I got out of that. That would have been a lot of work. 
It's actually part of the judgment upon a sluggard because it's just part of the danger. It just keeps building up. It actually leads to more and more destruction. I want to look at Roman numeral 6, some conclusions, and letter A, as, as it pertains to our lives, as it pertains to our lives. You know, there appear to be degrees or different extents to which someone is a sluggard. The test of the sluggard is diligence, and that's a blank in your hand out there, diligence of time, resources, effort, energy. Are you diligent with your time? Am I diligent with the resources that God's given to me? Am I diligent with my effort? Am I diligent with my energy? Are you consistently unprepared in time of need? Are you ruled by circumstance? And convenience? Do you constantly make excuses for not having done what you should? Are you wasteful? Do you regularly leave projects or assignments half finished? Does someone have to stand over your shoulder to make you do your job? And if you are, this is your personality that we're, that we're being described here. Now, there's different degrees, and I think I have them. Number one, there's the extreme sluggard. Okay, and I'm going to give you five different degrees here in your handout. There's the extreme sluggard. And we read that proverb that talks about he won't even bring his hand to his mouth. Uh, hyperbole. But uh, he won't even bring his hand to his mouth. Now, connect this with the will not work and will not eat sluggard. And they're coming up, and I'm going to give them to you in just a moment. But the extreme sluggard is stubborn, even in the face of judgment. They're the I-don't-care sluggard. They're the street-corner sluggard. Now, not everybody on a street-corner necessarily is a sluggard, but I believe many are. And they're reaping consequences for their will-not-work attitude. You know, most people would never choose to live in the condition of the extreme sluggard, but many of them do choose to live in it. They're willing to wallow around in that lifestyle, that way of living, because they will not repent of their, their sluggard, their extreme sluggard personality. Number two, there's the non-working sluggard. The non-working sluggard. Now, the non-working sluggard, he has a job, okay? He has a job to do, a God-given responsibility, but he doesn't do it until the pressure builds up, until he has to. He's unable to discipline himself to get the work done ahead of time. They're motivated by pressure. They're, they're motivated by the urgency of the moment. They're willing to sacrifice the peace of tomorrow for the leisure of today. This is kind of tough to swallow, isn't it? We've all played this, I think, at times in our lives. I'm going to put it off today. I know it's got to be done. I'm going to put it off today because I just don't feel like it. But you know what? It's got to be done by the end of the week. So now all of a sudden I'm under all this kind of intense pressure. And you know what? Now, now it's percolating and, and I'm upset and I'm frustrated. And, and maybe as a dad I'm taking it out of my kids or I'm taking it out of my wife. My wife and, and it's because it's I'm a sluggard. I'm slothful in my work. It could have been done. I actually had time to do it, but I wasted that time. 
So now I'm all upset and frustrated and I'm blaming my boss and I'm blaming everybody else and it's not coming out like it's supposed to come out and now I do a poor job at it. Okay, there's the non-working sluggard. He he just doesn't want to work, doesn't want to do the job. Number three, there's the procrastinating sluggard. And they're similar. The procrastinating sluggard, they're motivated by pressure and urgency. I think we're on number four, aren't we? All right. There's number four. Here it comes. There it is. Number four. There's the move on to the next thing sluggard. And he doesn't finish the job. He keeps moving on to the next thing. He doesn't cook what he took in hunting. Do you remember that proverb that we read? He goes out and kills something, but he's too slothful to actually dress what he's taken in hunting. Mm. Number five. Number five. There's the wasteful or distracted sluggard. Now, this man is slothful in his work. He wastes his time. He wastes his resources. He, the efforts of others, he'll waste that. And he also spends a lot of time daydreaming. Okay, number, letter B, letter B. How about in life in general? Letter B. Well, in life, discipline and diligence are key to overcoming being a sluggard. That's huge right there. Discipline and diligence are key to overcoming being a sluggard. By the way, and I don't know, I'm going to say this later on, so I'm going to say it right here. Um, If God has convicted you in your heart about being a sluggard in an area of your life, remember, the accountability starts with you. And when you and I are convicted of sinning against God, and being a sluggard in a sloth is sin, we ought to confess it as sin to the Lord. We ought to agree with God about our way of life. No, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a slothful person. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell the congregation. But you, you tell the Lord and tell him where you're a sloth at or where you're sluggardly at. Confess it to him. Agree with him about it. And then it's going to require you to be disciplined and diligent. And, and this is kind of a catch-22 because the sloth isn't disciplined and he's not diligent. So it's like how can a slothful man become disciplined and diligent when he's not disciplined and diligent? That's the whole point. Well, if you repent and confess to the Lord and ask him for his help, he will help you in this area of discipline and diligence. You know, many times God will use your authority, maybe a teacher, mom and dad, an employer, maybe fellow employees, close friends or family. He will help you. He will bring people into your life that will help you be disciplined and organized in areas of your life where you weren't. And the difference between the slothful man and someone, the the man who is still being a slothful man and a man who used to be a slothful man but is striving not to be is the slothful man, remember, is always reasoning and making excuses. So stop making the excuses. When your employer comes to you, agree with them. Say yes. Take a deep breath. I'm going to do it. Don't try to get out of it. And, and start being diligent. And I should point out, and I think I have in your notes there too, the fool will naturally, the foolish man will naturally become a sluggard when they have shirked responsibilities and escaped the consequences that they should have had come upon them. We are often sluggards in one area, but not in another. Bible reading and prayer are two areas of great challenge in all of our lives. There is often very little accountability in these areas, areas, and we may not immediately perceive the consequence for a lack of diligence. In other words, I can 
maybe a, a believer might say, you know what, they, we might think for a moment, I can go, I can go uh, a couple days without reading the Bible and it won't affect me. Well, that's foolishness, and if I do, and it doesn't seem to affect me, you know, the, whole, the truck doesn't break down and the roof doesn't blow off the house and God doesn't point big arrows and say, this is why this is happening. You know, I think I'm getting away with disobeying God. I'm neglecting time with him. I'm neglecting communion with him. And I'm getting away with it. Life keeps going on. It can lead to be me becoming a sluggard in that area. Um, it, there's two ways we can learn. We can learn by taking God at his word when it comes to being a sluggard. Or we can learn the hard way. And I can remember my parents encouraging me not to learn the hard way in life growing up. Letter C, in relationships. In relationships. There's a number of them here. Number one, in friendships. Uh, What if you have a sluggard who is a friend? They're your friend. Well, expect frustration and confusion. Okay? If you have a friend who is a sluggard, you will not be, uh, be able to count on them for anything, really. They're not dependable. Get used to excuses and expect disappointment. They will let you down often. Uh, letter A, little, a small letter A there. Do not cover for your friend who's a sluggard. Don't do their work for them. Never help them cheat. Sluggards are prone to cheating. Why? Because they don't do the work. They won't do the work. They don't, do the, they don't put in the study. They don't put in the effort. And now at the last minute, they've got to do, they've got to pass, right? So that's the easiest way to out. If you have a friend who's a sluggard and they're a cheater, don't help them cheat. Don't ever help anybody cheat. Okay? They're, they're, they're just using you. Uh, letter B there, do not partner with them. Do not go into business with the sluggard. Don't partner with them. Don't go into business with the sluggard. They will waste your resources They'll ruin your business, they'll cost you your reputation, and they will expect you to bail them out when they have not held up their end of the bargain. I can remember in college, uh, we had a group project in a particular youth ministry class, and I got paired up with one of the faculty kids um, for the project, and he was a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he was a hard worker on the court, phenomenal athlete. And he was really cool. And when I got paired up with him, I thought, this is going to be great. And I don't remember what the project was, but I remember what happened. We paired up in our little group, and, uh, and he sat back. And we're supposed to be brainstorming, coming up with ideas and all this stuff. And he just sat there the whole time. And we were supposed to, everybody's supposed to have different parts of the project. That man did nothing on that project. The rest of us carried everything for him. And you know what? He was good with that. Now, this was his God-given responsibility to do, but he was a sluggard. And he let everybody else do his work for him. Uh, don't partner with a sluggard. Uh, number two, number two, dating. Dating. What if you're dating somebody who's a sluggard? Mom and dad, please listen to this closely too. Um, if you have children, uh, they're going to date somebody someday, right? And, and mom and dad, you have a responsibility to help your daughter and your son find someone who is going to love them and care for them and be a good provider. If you have a daughter, be a good provider for your daughter. Don't just, don't just leave it up to them. Well, whoever they bring home, 
Don't do that. You have a, you have a God-given responsibility, mom and dad, to help your children um, prayerfully obey the Lord and marry the right person, okay? Now, the perfect person is not out there, okay? So don't, there's no perfect people. But dating, what should you do? Well, end the relationship. How about that? What? But I love him. I love him. He's so handsome. End the relationship. He's a sluggard. I'm not being too hard here, okay? End the relationship until they take responsibility. And I ask the question in your handout, do you enjoy, do you want to live in poverty? Do you want that? Is that what you want, to live in poverty? Uh, Do you want to do two people's jobs? Because you're going to do his job. You're going to do his jobs for him. Or uh, um, you're going to do her jobs for her. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you enjoy watching what you've worked for and earned be wasted? Do you enjoy waiting upon somebody else hand and foot? And here's the difficulty. And so, Mom and Dad, I'm encouraging your participation here because your daughter's going to look at you and say, I don't mind waiting on him hand and foot. And, Dad, you're going to say to your daughter, Honey, we're going to break it off until he grows up in his life and begins to take responsibility. Because how he's being responsible in his job right now, or with his grades right now, is how he's going to provide for you. And I don't want you to have to go through his learning curve with him. You're going to stand in the gap as a mom and dad. Uh, what if the guy's a sluggard? What if the guy's a sluggard? Well, don't resume dating until he's proven diligence in his responsibilities. What if the girl's a sluggard? Don't resume dating until she's proven diligence in her responsibilities. And these responsibilities can be in school. They're going to be in the workplace. Um, And, you know, are are they a neat person? Are they detail-oriented? Do they take care of things that belong to them? Or is what they own, is it just destroyed? Okay, letter C. And this is for everybody, though it applies here to the dating relationship. Take responsibility for your influence. Take responsibility for your influence. What do I mean by this? This is more than just being accountable for your own actions. You might be able to say, well, I'm not a sluggard in that area. But understand that your actions affect the growth, behavior, and responses of other people. Think with me on this. If you're a parent... If you have a child that throws a temper tantrum, have you trained them not to throw temper tantrums? Is it easy for a parent to train their child not to throw temper tantrums, or is it easier just to walk away and be like, and laugh at them? What's easier? It's, it's harder, it's easier to laugh, it's harder to deal with it. So mom and dad, our influence, how's our influence in our children in training up our own children? Um, have we trained our children not to throw temper, transom, temper, temper tantrums? Or uh, do, do you and I have parents, as parents, do we have a defensive spirit, kind of a rebellious attitude toward the authority God's put in our lives? Are we characterized by angry words as moms and dads? And is this the model that we've set before our children? Rebellious against authority, rolling our eyes, and angry words. And we've actually trained our children to throw temper tantrums. And we could look at them and say, well, what I do doesn't look like that. No, they're going to look just like you. 
when they grow up. They're going to do it just the way you do it, the way I do it. So future husbands, if your wife is someday careless with finances, is it because she's rebellious against your budget, or have you just failed to communicate a budget? Are you asking her to hold a budget that's impossible? Honey, I told you you have $25 a month to feed this family, and I expect you to be diligent at it. And you can use that to put in a garden or raise sheep or Kroger. I don't care what, but you have $25 a month to feed the family. Okay? You say, my wife is such a sloth with finances. She doesn't do the $25 justice. No, you haven't, you're not asking something of her that's even attainable. She's not a sloth. She can't do it. It's impossible what you're asking her to do. Okay, so what about, how are you and I as husbands influencing our wives? Wives influencing our husbands. Um, you're dating. How are you influencing the person you're dating? Are you helping them to overcome being a sloth? Well, number three, church and work. Church and work. Church and work. Uh, what should you do if you're, you have some employ, employees or even volunteers? And some of you here oversee different ministries within the church. Okay? And you have different volunteers who are working with you and laboring with you in your ministry. Don't put them in positions of responsibility. Don't do it. Now, we love when people want to serve. And sometimes we want them to serve so bad that we're willing to put someone in a position of responsibility when they're not ready for it. Okay. Or, or you're, you're hiring somebody and you believe, you want to believe the best about them. And so you go ahead and hire them. But, but are they a slothful person? Uh, don't, don't hire them. Let's consider the church for just a moment. Don't look for a slugger to volunteer if it's a job that requires a lot of effort and work. Be very upfront with people about the amount of effort and time a certain position or job a ministry will take. Don't oversell the opportunity. Not only is it not honest uh, to do so, uh, so it's immoral to oversell, uh, be honest, it will weed out the sluggards. Also, be very careful about who you ask to serve in different positions. Beware of volunteers who are volunteering with pride in their heart. They want to be in that position. That's why they're volunteering. They really don't want to serve the Lord. They really don't want to serve His body. Uh, they're not selfless. They're selfish. They're going to try to get out of responsibilities. You know, it'd be nice if we didn't have to talk about this, wouldn't it? But, but we all have flesh. We all have flesh. And some of us are characterized or could be characterized by being a sloth. And, and we don't have to be. We don't have to be. Letter B, work in the workplace. If your employee is a sluggard, uh, they're shirking their duties, they're failing to get the job done, they're making excuse after excuse, employ the corrective measures. Financial corrective measures are especially effective because the sluggard is very covetous. The sluggard will not respond well to verbal correction. I, I mentioned that already. And when they stop making excuses, they're probably ready to resume responsibility. Did you hear that? When they stop making excuses, they're ready for the job. Number four, your spouse. Your spouse. What if you're married to a sluggard? What do you do? Well, help them. Help them in areas that they are sluggard and take responsibility for the extreme sluggard. You're going to have to take responsibility for her, for him. You may have to get another job. You may have to work part-time. I don't, I don't know. 
You may have to cut back on things you enjoy and would like to do and could have spent money on, but you're married. So you're going to have to take responsibility. And I'm going to bring up the dating scenario again for just a moment. You're not married to them if you're just dating, okay? That's the good news. You can break up with them when you're dating. But when you're married, you can't, okay? You can't. You're married to them. You're going to live with them. Uh, Letter A, nagging, which is a go-to, but nagging will be ineffective, and it will result in frustration and anger on the part of both parties. So you you say, I'm frustrated, so I'm going to make her frustrated. Uh, Don't nag. Uh, Open conversation, open accountability are necessary to helping a sluggard who wants to change. If they're distracted, move on to the next thing. Procrastinating or non-working sluggard, identify the target problem and develop a plan to help them overcome it. A sluggard will have a particularly hard time planning. After agreeing upon a course of action, set up an agreed-upon measure of accountability in terms of executing the plan and agreed-upon penalties for failing to follow the program. The sluggard needs to have some input. You can't just railroad the sluggard. You can't say, you're a sluggard, I make the rules, you get in line. You can't do that. They have to have input, and they have to agree. And compliance is unlikely. A financial penalty of some sort may be wise, given the covetous heart of the sluggard, but the wallet will get their attention. Letter B, pray and pick up their load. This is if you're married to a sluggard. Pray for them and pick up their load. If the sluggard is an extreme sluggard and is content with their pathetic state, pray and help pick up their load. There's little that you can do. Remember Proverbs 26 and verse 12, there is more hope for a fool than of them. There's more hope, God says, for a fool than for the sluggard, the person that's wise in their own conceit. Number five, what if you have a child who struggles with being a sluggard? Letter A, or I should give you a number five there, train them to work. Train them to work. Number five, train them to work. And then letter A, require them to complete their chores and schoolwork. Isn't it true, parents, that what one child struggles with, another child doesn't? Isn't that true? Um, as parents, our, we've been commanded to train up our children the way that they should go, even when that child is hard to train. Okay? And where one child, they're just, it was like they were born for it. You hardly have to encourage them. I mean, they're, they're remembering things for you, you know? It's like, thanks. You know, um, they're, they're all over. They're very organized and disciplined, and they work hard. You know, what's not hard for them, and it's not hard to train that child in that particular area, you're going to have another child, and it's going to be hard. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that we can say, well, God wouldn't, God wouldn't expect me as a parent to have to go through this hardship. No, you need to persist. You need to endure as a, as a parent. And in the area of a slothful child, train them to work. You're going to have to train them to work. How do you do that? Require them to complete their chores and schoolwork. Inspect what you expect. Okay? Number, letter B. Letter B. Inspect what they've done. Inspect what they've done. So require them to complete their chores. This is going to be hard. You're going, to, you're going to have headaches, maybe, depending on who it is. But then inspect what they've done. 
Letter C, set deadlines. Set deadlines. You say, my child is only five. Set a deadline for a five-year-old. Set a deadline for a six-year-old. I'd like this done in 10 minutes. I'm going to set the timer. 10 minutes, I want it done. Yeah, you're training them under pressure now. I've got them up against the clock. It's not a bad thing. Don't do this for everything. Don't do this for everything, but use wisdom. But set deadlines. And most importantly, letter D, letter D, teach them to take responsibility for their actions. Now, this is children at times struggle with slothfulness just like you and I do. So require them to complete their chores and schoolwork inspect what they've done, set deadlines, and teach them to take responsibility for their actions. How do you do that? I put down a few things here. Assign projects. Give them chores. Tell them your expectations. That's very important. Communicate your expectations. Verify that it's been done timely and correctly. Don't stand over their shoulder. Otherwise, you're doing it. (laughs) Don't stand over their shoulder. And once you've taught them how to do something and have seen that they can do it, Let them do it. Let them do it. Children ought to be able to contribute to the general welfare and running of the home. It's okay. It's not slavery. Letter E, penalize. Penalize for work not done well. Penalize. There ought to be a penalty for work not done well. You're not teaching your children to work and to be diligent and wise if when they are slothful, there is no penalty. Because there is a penalty in life for being slothful. Is there a penalty in, in, for all of eternity for those of us who are slothful in our spiritual walk with God? Would it not be more merciful for a parent to levy a penalty against a child who is slothful now when they're a child so that they can learn to be diligent and wise so that they can walk with the Lord and, and be disciplined in the Word of God and disciplined in their walk with God so they don't fall into sin and destruction and corruption, living lives of regret? Would it not be more merciful for us as parents to train up our children to be diligent and to work hard? It would be. It would be. Number six, leadership. Leadership and authority, and we'll finish with this one. What if your leadership is slothful? Well, submit, because you have to, and take responsibility for extra work. The sluggard in authority will pass the buck on blame and work. And he'll do it to the good and the gentle. He'll also do it to the froward. He will make excuses. And if you're going to be blamed for work not done, that was not yours in the first place, it might be wise to seek additional responsibilities so that you can do them right in the first place. And in the business world, the sluggard is unlikely to maintain his leadership role. It's unlikely. You're in Proverbs. I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 22, and then we're going to close with a song, okay? But we're not going to sing it. We're going to listen to it. And I I have a song. Patch the Pirate sings with his people. And and it's about this verse. I'm going to read it to you. Proverbs 22 and verse 13 uh, says this. The slothful man saith, There is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. And he does nothing about it. Okay? So, are we ready to play that up there? I think they're ready. I got the, is that a thumbs up or a one minute? Oh, here it comes. Track 19. Is this it? No, it's not it.
track 19. We'll end with this. Pastor Scott, you're up next. We don't have any lions around here, but we come up with all kinds of excuses. Hey, do appreciate uh, the participants that we had today. A lot of great beef stew out there, and on a cool, chilly day, it's always good to have something warm in your